right, good morning, everyone. How you doing? Uh, indulge me just a second. I'm going to take my first Sunday selfie. So uh, just, just, hey, where are you guys? Oh, I got to turn around. Sorry. Oh, there you are. Okay, smile. All right, that side. Smile. This side. There's a big blank spot. Uh, let me get closer. I can't get rid of it. All right, smile. All right, good. Okay, glad you're here. Uh, in a year, we'll look at those and we'll see what we, what we look like and what happened in the last year. We're expecting change and good things today. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, if you have a telephone or whatever, however you want to get there, that'd be great. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, I'm Joseph Vest. Some people have asked about how our travel was and that sort of thing, and we made it well, and we're thankful uh, to the Lord for providing for us. We're living in a, an apartment. I haven't lived in an apartment over 20 years, so this is kind of interesting for us. And we, uh, we, uh, <laughs> we have a third-floor apartment. Um, that's really exciting, and so uh, that's been great. And, and I'm going to have calf muscles to kill for. I, I just want you to know. Uh, everybody's going to be a little jealous uh, pretty soon. But we, we moved in. Uh, Lisa got into school. She's our nine-year-old. She got started last week and doing great. And so thank you for asking. We're doing good. Okay. Uh, today we're talking about change. I thought it was kind of appropriate, but not so much how we change as a church, how we change as an individual. And so we're going to kind of chat about that a little bit. I want to uh, introduce you to a, a, a fellow. Um, all right, where do I point? Oh, good. Tools for change. All right, this guy. His name is Jason uh, Brown, I believe is his last name. Jason Brown. Um, in 2011, he was the highest paid center in, in, in the NFL. He had tons of money. And uh, he's a professed follower of Christ, but in 2011, uh, his marriage was about to break up. He, has, he had two kids, this huge mansion. Um, he talks about having two fully stocked bars and expensive liquor and all that kind of thing. But he got to the point where he realized that really uh, his faith in Christ was simply like an insurance policy not to go to hell, but not so much uh, a path of life. And so in 2011, the, the guy decides he's going to give up playing professional football and all the millions of dollars, highest paid center in the league. And, and he, he determines that he's, God is speaking to him, telling him to give up that career uh, that lifestyle, that money, he is offered jobs by three other professional teams, and he, do, he doesn't take any of that. He sells his mansion. He buys a farm in North Carolina, a 100-year-old farm. And I have a, a video, I think it's CBS did this. I just want to show you what, what transformation has happened in his life. Push this. Oh. Finally tonight, once you've made it to the big time, why would you ever want to go back down to the farm? Steve Hartman found the answer on the road. At one point, number 60, Jason Brown was one of the best centers in the NFL. At one point, he had a five-year, $37 million contract with the St. Louis Rams. And at one point, he decided it was all meaningless and just walked away from football. My agent, you know, he told me, he said, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. And I looked right back at him. I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. So what could possibly trump the NFL? You wouldn't believe. 
Jason Brown quit football to be a plain old farmer. Even though he never farmed a day in his life, how did you learn even to do what you're doing? Get on the internet. You watch YouTube videos. So you learned how to farm from YouTube? Yeah. You can still plant your crops. Thanks to YouTube and some good advice from other farmers here in Lewisburg, North Carolina. This week, Jason finished harvesting his first five-acre plot of sweet potatoes. When you see them pop up out of the ground, man, it's the most beautiful thing that you could ever see. He says he has never felt more successful. Not in man's standards, but in God's eyes. But God cares about the NFL. I see people praying to him on the field all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people praying out there. But um, when, when I think about a life of, of greatness, I think about a life of, of service. Which leads us here. Which leads us here. Yes. See, his plan for this farm, which he calls First Fruits Farm, is to donate the first fruits of every harvest to food pantries. Today, it's all five acres, 100,000 pounds of sweet potatoes. It's unusual for a grower to grow a crop just to give away. Rebecca Page organizes food collection for the needy. And that's what Jason has done. And he's planning to do more next year. Jason has a thousand acres here, which could go a long way toward eliminating hunger in this neck of North Carolina. Love is the most wonderful currency that you can give anyone. You sure you played in the NFL? <laughs> Yes, because I feel like cuddling you right now. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Jason may have left the NFL, but apparently holding is still a penalty. Steve Hartman on the road in Lewisburg, North Carolina. So what would compel a person to leave all of that? I mean, it had to be, we, we change when we're desperate. There, there has to be a, a level of desperation in uh, recovery program, we had one in my church in Michigan called Celebrate Recovery. And we talked a lot about the fact that you have to hit rock bottom a lot of times. Some of you have experienced this in your life where you, you get to a place where it, it is more uncomfortable to stay the same than it is to change. Because change is always uncomfortable. It's just how it works. And yet, th this fellow, what, I mean, it's just an amazing story. I love it. He talked about, in God's standard, this was success for him. And, and he, he talks about, they, they ask him the question, what is your business plan? And, and his answer was obedience. I, I'm going to do what God tells me to do the way I feel like God tells me to do it. And I don't know about you, but I've rarely met somebody who is a follower of Christ. And that may not be you yet, but that's okay. Just listen. Um, but those of us who follow Jesus... Most of us have an ambition to be a better follower. We're inspired by stories like this. But we know that we could probably do more. And there's this process that God puts us through to change us to become more like His Son. We're called Christians because the word literally means little Christ. We're supposed to be like Jesus. And it's a process. And there are a couple ways people kind of think about this. This process of, of becoming more like Christ. Some people take a passive approach. And they'll, they'll say something to the effect of, um, well, I just have to wait on the Lord. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Just sitting and waiting, just sitting and waiting. They say it like that because they're all church people. That's how that works. 
Then you got other people, they take more of an aggressive approach. They're like, if it's got to be, if it's going to be, it's going to be me, and I'm going to make the change. And, and honestly, it's, it's a little bit of both. The, well, let me show you. Point my little thing there. The big idea today is this. Change is often a process. and You could say it's always a process. And God has a part, and I have a part, and we're going to talk about those parts today. God has a part in changing me, I have a part in changing me. So if you have your Bibles open, Philippians 2 is where we're going to be. Philippians 2. And, and this is a text you might know if you've been in church a while, you've probably seen this one before. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Now, Note, it doesn't say work for your salvation. We, we have to understand, man, too many people are trying to win God's favor. And we see in other places, like in Ephesians, it says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's not about works. You can't earn salvation. You don't do anything to win God's favor. You've already won God's favor. You just accept a gift. That gift is grace. And basically, all of us are sinners. We all need to be saved from our sin, and Jesus went to the cross so that that might happen. In a couple of weeks, we have this huge Sunday called Easter where we celebrate this sacrifice that Jesus made. So it doesn't say work for your salvation, but it does say work it out. So we're going to talk about that for, for a little while. Okay, number one, you have to understand it's a personal assignment. Work out your salvation. Now, one of the tools you have at your disposal is me, I guess, because I'm here every Sunday, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to challenge, and I'm going to do the things that pastors should do to help you grow, but you have to decide you're going to grow. It's kind of your choice, so work out your salvation. I can't do it for you. I'll help you. I'll be a resource for you. You've got to do it, all right? Number one, it's personal. Number two, it's serious with fear and trembling. Now, that doesn't mean we fear God or we shake when God is around, that kind of thing. It's not, it, it just, it, the point is, this is a very important, serious thing. We are to take this seriously, growing in our faith. When we become a follower of Jesus, our ambition is to, be, to become more and more like Christ all the time. That's kind of what, what the deal is. So, we're, we're, we're to do it, all right? And then, number three, it, it's... Um, God provides us tools. God gives us tools for this assignment. For this assignment. All right. Now, physically, when you work out, you don't work for a body. You work the body you've already been given. You can see I do that all the time. Uh, and I can see some of you don't. But uh, 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 you, you don't work for a body. You work the body that you've been given. If you work the land like uh, Jason Brown did, uh, you don't work gain ground, you don't make ground, but you, you enhance the ground you have. This is what we're talking about, to enhance the ground you have. And so this is an assignment toward maturity. Now, I'm a parent, I have four daughters. Uh, you met, if you were here a couple weeks ago when we were here, you met all of them, uh, we love them. And our ambition for all those girls, we have two in college, one that just graduated from college, and we have a nine-year-old. And our ambition for all of them is to reach a certain level of maturity where they can take care of themselves, um, where they can move out of the house and stay out. Uh, Our ambition is for them to mature to a point where they... Is this cutting in and out? 
It is? Okay. I thought it was me and I was about to black out. And that really was going to be bad. Because I know we're not charismatic and you don't really get uh, credit for falling on the ground. So, uh, I feel good. feel good now. feel better. So, it's good. Is it something I'm doing? It's you. Okay, all right. It's you guys back there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'll keep talking. Is it okay? I know it's annoying, but I don't know what else to do. I could grab a, uh, I could grab a handheld and do T.D. Jakes. And the Lord said, but then you have to talk like that. You got to rise up. So, uh you don't want that, then we won't do that today. That's good. Good stuff. All right. So our ambition is to mature in Christ. Now, I, I you know, it's funny. As a, as a son, I remember my dad, you know, teaching me to work and, and teaching me certain things and, and how to drive and how to change a tire. And, and I get calls from my girls. I I failed them in some ways because I haven't taught them about their car. You know, Daddy, I don't know how to change a tire. It's just pathetic, and and that's really all on me. It's my fault. I need to do a better job. So when they get here, um, when they get home this summer, I'm going to make them rotate the tires on the car uh, so they can learn some stuff. But we have to learn some things about life and and what it's going to be. All right, this is killing me. Can I do a handheld? Let me do this blue one. Oh, it's tape. Is that okay? All right, do I have to turn it on? I'm really not that smart. It's on. Is it? Oh, okay, 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 okay. Anybody have a kerchief? I need a kerchief. Uh, really, you got to have a kerchief. Okay. Oh, now I've got I've got things in both hands. Oh, my word. This is, this is overload. Okay. God provides lots of tools for us to grow. Lots of tools. I mean... The music today, wasn't it just awesome? Where's the, where's the barefoot guy? Where is he? Dude, that was just great. It's like holy ground. Did you do that for holy ground's sake? Really? That's really good. Did you wash your feet before you came up? Great. All right, good. That's good. That's good. Because I'm smelling something, but I'm glad. It's good. It's awesome. That's awesome. I mean... When you hear certain songs, don't doesn't just, I mean doesn't God just do something in your spirit? I, good grief, that was just great today, and and I love that, and and um, I have it on my you know on my Spotify. I play you know praise music when I'm working because it helps me. That's a tool God gives us. God gives us a ton of tools. We're going to focus on sort of the three most common ones or major ones. I don't know if they're the most major, but these are three that are very common, very powerful. So we're going to kind of focus in on three tools today that God uses. And then we're, that's God's parts. And then we're going to focus on our part, what we do with the tools that God gives us. Okay? So first, first tool, if I can get us to change, is the Bible. Now, this is so um, common and, and, you know, you're going to go, well, good grief, we know that. We know we're supposed to read our Bibles. We, we know it, <laughs> but do we do it? There has never been a time on the face of this planet where the Bible is more accessible to us than it is today. Every one of us can has access to a Bible. If you don't own one, I'll buy some and I'll give you one next week. Come talk to me after the service. I'm going to stand right over here. Come say, hey, dude, I don't have a Bible. I'll get you one for next week. I've got 
I've got Bibles in my office. I mean, you have, you have a Bible on your phone. You have a Bible, you know, you, uh, you can get texts sent to you with Bible verses every day. I do that so I can read a Bible verse every day. This is incredibly important to us that we take, um, that we use the tools that God gives us. God, God, God gave us the Bible to help us become more like Jesus. In a couple of weeks, I believe it's um, the second Monday in April. So right after Easter, we do Easter on the 27th of March. And then uh, I would have started it on the first Monday in April, but that's the NCAA championship, and I'm going to be busy uh, watching my Wildcats. Uh, but um, the next Monday after that, I think it's probably, I think it's the 11th. I don't remember now, but the next Monday, I'm going to start doing something called just, just an adult Bible study. It's a different thing, different from a small group. It's a Bible study. And um, we're going to have it in here. If you want to come back for that on Monday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to do it for about an hour. We'll, we'll talk about, I think I'm going to do some parables that are just really super cool. And um, we're just going to kind of break down the Bible a little different than we're going to do it on Sunday mornings. Just a little deeper, a little, little different take on it. So, uh, but, but God gives us the Bible in order to help change the way we think. When I read Scripture, I think differently. I, I begin to look at things differently. I, I take a different perspective on, on how stuff works. Now, when I was younger, I used to have this ambition. I would, I would like set a goal. I'm going to read four chapters a day, or I'm going to read for 30 minutes a day. I'm going to read through the Bible two times a year, that kind of stuff. And I would read and read and read and read and read. And then at the end of my reading time, I would check off on my box of to-dos for the day. I, I did this. But if you were to ask me, hey, dude, what did you read today? I, I had no idea. Because I was reading just to read. I wasn't reading to, to get anything out of it. And I've learned something about Scripture reading. Less for me, for me anyway, less is more. I, I need to just really concentrate and so when it rains, there are different kinds of rain. It can be a gully washer, it be a, you know, a, a downpour, or it can be a soft rain. I think you read the Bible, for me anyway, I need to read it like a soft rain. I need to let it soak in. I, I need to think about it a little bit. I need to read it maybe more than once during the day. And so I'll, I'll find a passage and I'll read it more than once a day. And I'll keep letting God use it uh, in my life. This is a cool text in... Um, 2 Timothy about Scripture, it says it's, it's inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize, to make us think about what is wrong in our lives. It straightens, out, it straightens us out and teaches us to do what's right. It's God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. Basically, the Bible helps us think differently. So that's the first tool. God also gives us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, it says, God is the one who raised Christ from the dead, and he will give life through his spirit that lives in you. When you become a follower of Jesus, when you surrender your life to him, then the Holy Spirit comes and lives in your hearts. He talks to you. I mean, one of the coolest things about being a follower of Jesus is I have access to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Every problem I encounter, everything I go through, God is there with me. He, he is a voice inside of me. 
Now, Miriam loves plants. We lo- she loves plants. When we get a house, we're going to have plants. In fact, the other day we were talking about uh, if we could somehow put plants, could we uh, screw some hooks in and have some hanging baskets at our apartment? We decided we couldn't do that because it's uh, uh, vinyl siding and that kind of thing. But we love plants. And by we, I mean Miriam loves plants. We would have them every place if it was up to Miriam. Now, when we had plants back in the day, uh, she has this little secret weapon that she puts on the plants called um, uh, Bloom Burst, Bloom Buster. What's it called? Something like that. All right, thanks for the help, honey. Uh, okay. Uh, bloom Burster, Buster, I don't know. Anyway, um, and, and it's like from Miracle Grow, I believe. Everybody's writing it down. Bloom Buster. Okay, yes, it's awesome. And you pour it on your plants, and all of a sudden, where you might have had like two blooms before, in a week it's got like 29,000 blooms. It is amazing the difference it makes. In fact, do an experiment. Go buy two plants, put Bloom Buster on one and, and the other. I, it's a, I am a walking commercial right now for miracle Grow because it's just really cool. And the Holy Spirit, now we can get along in life without consulting the spirits. We, we can get along, or we can thrive our choice because <laughs> the Holy Spirit is available to us and the Holy Spirit helps us. L- look, at this, look at this next verse. All of us show the shining greatness of the Lord as in a mirror. This is our ambition. Uh, all the time we are being changed to look like Christ, to look like Him with more and more of His shining goodness. This change is from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit Here's something that really is incredibly important. I, I believe this is on your notes. Tell me if it's on your notes. Is this next line on your notes? Is that there on your notes? It's not on your notes? Oh, it should be. Uh, that's, all, that's my fault. Anyway, it's important to understand God's purpose, number one purpose in life is not to make us happy, but to make us holy. Too many people will say... Um, you know, remember that song, If Loving You Is Wrong? Loving you is wrong. I don't want to be what? Right. That's right. If loving you is wrong, it's wrong, uh, honestly. But people will say, well, God wants me to be happy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? I love it when somebody asks me that. Doesn't God want me to be happy? And I say, no. Why would you think that? God wants you to be holy. Because when you're holy, it makes you something better than happy. It makes you full of joy. It gives you joy down in your heart, down, 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 down in your heart. So people, don't, don't settle for happy when you can have joy. I mean, Paul, the apostle Paul was this cat that wrote much of the New Testament. The guy was constantly in trouble. He, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was, uh, he was thrown out of towns. And yet he said, I've learned the secret to be content in any and every situation. He never said, I've learned to be happy. Because Happiness really isn't God's goal for our lives. It's Hollywood's goal for our life. Uh, And look, I I like to be entertained like anybody else. I like entertainment, but understand something. There's something better than happiness. So the second tool God uses is the Holy Spirit. He's with us all the time to help us become holy. Third thing. I almost have to push it twice every time. I'm going to start pushing it twice. All right? I think I'll do that. Okay. Circumstances. Now, let me ask you this. Is it true in your life that problems 
and negative things in your life, difficulties, have a, a certain way of getting your attention. Is that true for you? I mean, when you're really going through a struggle, doesn't God use that to get your attention? I mean, He really, really does. And so, look at what it says in Romans. We can be so sure that every detail of our lives is working into something good. Now, I don't know about you, but man, that I don't like negative circumstances, but God uses them for our good. And if God's ambition is for us to become like His Son... To become like Jesus, we're probably going to have to go through some of the things Jesus went through, right? I mean, it just makes sense. If I'm going to be like Jesus, I've got to get the path that's probably going to take me down this. I'm probably going to have to go down the same path Jesus went down. Now, Jesus, guess what? Once, once or a few times was tempted. I'm probably going to be tempted. Jesus was a few times lonely. Guess what? I'm probably going to feel lonely in my life. God's, uh, Jesus' patience was tried a few times. My patience is probably going to be tried. Because if I'm going to become like Christ, I'm going to have to go through some of the things Christ went through. Look at this. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. He, he had to go through some stuff in order to get to the place God wanted him to get to. Now, I can read God's word for six hours a day. And it still doesn't compare to circumstances. Because how many, how many hours a day do I experience circumstance? Um, every waking moment. And then stuff is happening while I'm asleep and I wake up and I have to deal with those circumstances. Circumstances are always with us. We, we just really have to understand that. Proverbs twenty thirty says, Sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Woo! Can I get a witness? I mean, that's a great verse. Sometimes it takes a painful situation. Desperation leads to change. I mean, we might see the light, but we really change when we feel the heat. That There's a, a real difference. All right, so God provides these tools. Scripture, these are just three. Scripture, he, he gives us circumstances, and then the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So that's God's parts. Now we have to figure out what our part is. So let's look at our, our role. The me changing me choices. I, I can choose what I think about. I can choose what I think about. In Proverbs 4.23 it says, Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. This is why music is so powerful. Music is really powerful because it helps us or hurts us in what we think about. I mean, if you're a young man and you're listening to something and, and it talks about women and it calls them, I won't call them this, but it rhymes with uh, stitches and bows. I mean, if that is on your iPod, if that's what you're listening to, it, it affects the way you treat women. Now, I've got daughters. I'm checking your iPod if you come to my house, okay? I'm going to see what you're listening to. Because if you're listening to that, I am going to kick you to the curb so fast because that is not how you're going to treat my daughter. It's just not how it's going to happen. Did everybody get that? Y'all get that? Okay, good. A little, a little shot across the bow right there. Okay. In Proverbs, be careful what you think. Be careful what you think. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you look at. Because what I think about becomes what I do. If I think about it, it's what I do. 
if I'm depressed, there's probably, I'm probably thinking about some depressing things. There's a cause to my depression. Now, sometimes it's chemical, I understand that. But oftentimes, I'm depressed because I'm thinking about things that are depressing. You start with the way you, with the way you think. Who was it? Dr. Phil, isn't Dr. Phil the guy that says, you've got to stop the thinking, stinking thinking. You've got to stop it. You've got to stop your stinking thinking. Um, if I go out on one of the lakes here, by, by the way, in New Mexico, every body of, every body of water, there's a park. Because there are so few in, in the, the desert that if, if you find a body of water, they make a park around it. because there's just And here, there's a lake every corner. But anyway, if you get in a boat, let's say we have a power boat, big lake. What's the biggest lake around here? Hartwell? All right, you're on Lake Hartwell, and you, got a, you have a, a very rich friend, and he has a power boat. One of those twin engine things that will go really fast, and the nose comes up when you run. And, uh, and, and it has an automatic pilot on it which is really sweet. Uh, and you set that thing to go east. Is that east, by the way? Let's say it is. Uh, uh, you set it to go east. And you're going east, and all of a sudden you decide you'd like to go west. East is that way? See, don't correct me. You're in the middle, oh man. Uh, if you want to go east... I don't care what you say. East. And and all of a sudden, you decide you left your keys at the house, which is west, whichever way it is. So you have to turn the boat around. you got two options turning the boat. Now, you can grab the wheel, and by sheer force, you can turn that thing, and you can go back. You head back. The problem is... Once you let go of the wheel, what's going to happen if it's on automatic pilot? It's going to turn it right back around. Too many times we try to willpower our way to something different in our lives. We try to willpower it. Sometimes you just can't willpower it. It takes more than that. The other way is you just reset the automatic pilot. You you change the way you think. You change the way you think. We all have an automatic pilot. Every one of us has an automatic pilot in our lives. And, and this is how you know what it is. Oh, yeah, be transformed by the renewing of it. That's, good. That's a good verse. Okay. You finish the sentence. It's just like me to, and don't say it out loud, but whatever, however you would finish that sentence, that is your automatic pilot. This is the way I think. I, I, I think this particular way. That's your automatic pilot pilot. Now, one of the things we should be thinking about, and this is a tool God provides, if you'll remember, is his word, is his word. Psalm 1 says, happy are those, joyful are those who love the Lord's teaching and think about those teachings day and night. They are strong like a, a, like a tree planted by a river. The tree produces fruit in season and its leaves don't die. I can choose to think about God's word. The second thing is this. Second change in me, I can choose to depend on God's spirit. This is a really cool sort of a metaphor that Jesus gives. He says, remain in me, I'll remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot produce, uh, be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, 
what does it mean to sort of remain in the Spirit? How do we do that? It's a, it's a, it's a great question. For me, it's this. Um, when I'm making decisions, I've kind of got this running conversation with God during the day. When I'm driving, I really have a running conversation with God. Because we came from a town of 11,000 people. 11,000 people total. You've got 11,000 people any second on this particular road, this way to Hampton. Pretty much right in front of the, the, the church. I'm trying to get out. They're coming. All, I mean, it's like, it's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. And so I, I'm praying, you know, God, I need a window of opportunity just to get out of here. And do I need to take a right and then turn back? And that would be, I don't know if I want to do that. So um, you're constantly kind of in a conversation with the Lord. It's, it's a cool place to get to in your life where you can just have this conversation with God in your life. Um, now, how do you know if you're depending on the Spirit? Well, the easiest thing to do is check your prayer life. What are you praying about? Are there things that you're not praying about? And it doesn't have to be, hey, I'm closing my eyes and folding my hands and that kind of prayer. But am I in consultation with God continuously? Prayer, it's just super important in our lives. Now, let me give you an example. Um, what if you needed to lose a couple of, of pounds, okay? Not, not that anybody in here does. I'm just saying, what if? What if? I've got some travel weight on. You know how the travel weight, when you're traveling, you don't eat well, that kind of thing. I've got, I've got that. I've had it for 12 years. Uh, and uh, uh, kind of need to lose it a little bit. So you could pray. I found a prayer that really works for me when I'm trying to lose a couple of LBs. Lord, my soul is ripped with riot, incited by this wicked diet. I want to rise on judgment day, that's plain, but at my present weight, you'll need a crane. So grant me strength that I may not fall into the clutches of cholesterol. May the veggies I eat not be hated, that my soul may be polyunsaturated. And at good old margarine, I'll never mutter because the road to hell is paved with butter. And cream is cursed, and cake is awful, and Satan is hiding in every waffle. Give me this day my daily slice, but cut it thin and toast it twice. I can do it, Lord, if you'll show me the virtues of lettuce and celery. If you'll teach me the evil of fried chicken from the south, which there is none. If you'll teach me the evil of fried chicken from the south, Lord, if you really love me, shut my mouth. Now that's the kind of prayer that God will answer. Having this running conversation with God will help us. So I, I choose what I think about. I choose who I listen to, like I'm listening to the Holy Spirit in my, in my heart. And a third thing is this. I choose my response. This is huge to circumstances because every person in this room is going to have to deal with negative circumstances in their life. We just all are going to have to do that at some point in our lives. I'm going to show you, this is one of those verses that is incredibly convicting for me. Um, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. Let's, Let's hit the pause button just for a second. Let's time out. Whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. How many of us default to joy 
when we have trouble come in our life. I mean, I don't think many of us do. But it's an opportunity for joy. Not that it's going to, it's not going to be joyous, but it's an opportunity to learn something, to grow. Therefore, it's an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be strong in character and ready for anything. I mean, if you have a Bible and you want to underline a verse in all of your Bible, this is the one to underline. This endurance that's developed will, will help you be strong in character and ready for anything. I mean, who doesn't want to have such a strong character that anything that happens to me, I'm going to be okay with? It is sort of an amazing place to be. Physically, when you, um, when you work out, there, there's a principle called resistance. And so if you're, if you're uh, doing, uh, what are these things where you lay on a bench? What are those kind of, Bench press, yes. Bench press, good, good. If you're doing a bench press, the notion is you put weight on the bar, right? Because you want to have some resistance. Resistance builds your muscles. If you're doing push-ups, resistance builds your muscles. If you're doing squats, resistance builds your muscles. Spiritually, resistance builds our muscles. If everything goes our way, if we get, <laughs> if we get it exactly the way we want it every time, we're never going to grow. Resistance builds our muscles spiritually. I'm going to end with a story. All right, those are oranges, by the way. This guy named Leroy Elms, he was driving through Florida, and uh, he, he said on both sides of the road, for as far as you can see, you could just see orange trees full of oranges. So he stops at this restaurant for breakfast, and he orders, he orders a glass of orange juice, which would make sense he's in Florida. Now, the waitress came back, and she said, I'm sorry, but we, I can't give you orange juice today. Our machine is broken. And he's thinking to himself, well, I know you've got oranges because you garnished my plate with oranges. I see oranges all over the place. But you're telling me I can't get orange juice because you, you don't have a machine from which the orange juice can come. They had access to orange juice. You know where it was? In the orange. All she had to do was squeeze an orange. Now, it would have taken some efforts. Uh, some oranges would have had to be damaged in the process. There would have been some, there was a, a process and it, and, it, and it would have taken some time. But orange juice was available. She really didn't tell the truth when she said, I can't, I can't give you orange juice. She was basically saying, I don't want to go to the effort of giving you orange juice. Now, a spiritual life that you could be proud of, let me go back to that verse, because that verse was awesome. I think this will work this way. No. Come on, man. That whole thing about the character and being ready for anything, y'all remember that one? Thank you. Why can't I do that? Jonathan? This is the kind of cooperation I'm going to get around here. I'm telling you. Thank you for making that happen. This, 
this verse haunts me. Because when troubles come, it's an opportunity for joy. Not because it's going to be easy or I'm going to like it. But because when my faith is tested, when your faith is tested, our endurance has a chance to grow. And I love verse 4, so let it grow. We, 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 our prayer should be, Lord, let our endurance grow when we have trouble. And some of you this week, you're going to be thinking, man, I can't believe he preached that on Sunday because I'm dealing with that. And maybe even today, I'm dealing with that this afternoon. I'm dealing with that this week. I can't believe that we talked about our problems can be a process toward endurance. Uh, who knows what God's going to do in your life this week, but that's pretty cool stuff. Because the ultimate outcome is that we will be strong in character and ready for anything. And that, that's a great place to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us today to look in your word and to grow. Thank you for providing us the Bible. Thank you for providing us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for providing us circumstances. All of which help us become the person you want us to be. Help us to utilize the tools you provide in a way that help us, will help us to grow in character so that we'll be ready to endure anything. We pray this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.